All right, it's time again for The Spencer Statement, a podcast where my friends and I talk about the Resident Evil series and lore and all that good stuff. I'm Vanessa, a.k.a. Vanessa Sketch, and with me as always are my friends Chris, a.k.a. Jabberwocky1986. Hello. And Castle Rook, a.k.a. Paul. Said your names in reverse. Who the devil are you people? <laughs> I don't, don't know. Don't, don't, don't treat the audience like that, man. We gotta, we gotta get listeners. No, I thought he ta- I thought he was talking no, to me. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so we got a we got a really great uh, episode for you now that enough time has passed where everybody has been able to dig into the remake of Resident Evil Three. So that is going to be our main topic today. We're going to be covering the, the whole the whole thing, all of it. Wait, there was a remake of Resident Evil Three. Oh, oh, god damn it! Yeah. Oh, oh, great. This is going to be a long episode. I told you we should have coordinated. <laughs> damn it. Okay, but first... Sorry, not sorry. First, we are going to cover the news because there's also been some pretty big news for Resident Evil fans. Uh, Just recently, they released the Resident Evil Village RE8 opening trailer, and wow, that is a lot. It's it's a lot to unpack, yes. Werewolves. Yeah. Kind of vampy witch women, and... A guy I can only I, I can only presume is like Anthony Hopkins in Bram Stoker's Dracula. He's gotten a hold yeah. of some just for men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, everybody keeps saying that they're they're vampires, but I keep leaning towards witches because of their fabulous hats. It's the hats. The hats are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No. I love the hats. I mean, I'm just gonna go with psychos. Angry weird ladies. Right. I mean, I, to, to be fair, the 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 main gal in the in the white dress looks very. It kind of has the sort of feel of like a seventies um, uh, kind of Carmilla or uh, uh, yeah. Sorry, what am I say? Yeah, Carmilla or uh, Elizabeth Bathory type character because there was films like Daughters of Darkness and Baba Yaga and films from that period that um, often had women characters like that. And she's got the look, is what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, I I, I still leaned towards witches. I just leaned I, towards it. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't I'm, see I'm, it I'm, being I'm, another cult. Yeah, it is a cult. It's super <laughs> a cult. It's a cult. It's a cult of like. It, it's a cult uh, of the fetus. Yes, all hail Feedy. Oh yeah, all hail Feedy, and and uh, I guess Ethan Mia's child is probably important to the cult that loves like maybe it's like you know leftover Evelyn cult or something. Yeah. The D series. It's it's the loser series fetus <laughs> cult. <laughs> I imagine it's actually the connections though. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that's kind of where I'm, I I do hope the connections is where it's going because that that was an interesting idea because we've never really had like a sort of espionage bio warfare almost kind of leans towards like a syndicate slash cr- organized crime angle. Well, we did have the organization. Well, we had that, but we had the family. <laughs> hey, you guys remember? Th- Remember the family? Well, the family, the family was RE6, but there was the organization Wesker worked for in RE4. Yeah. Oh, man. I am out of the loop on this. this oh. Okay. Yeah. I think that God. got called the organization. Oh, man. Uh, well, now they're back in pog form. How about that? <laughs> Burn the wall. I, I'm, there you uh, go. This again reminds me, Vanessa, of how you did once mention that you were thinking of doing a uh, a drunk history for the Resident Evil franchise. I'm still I'm still thinking about it. Oh, good. I'm already drinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I need more I need more booze for that. Honestly, yeah. 
the, I did have one quick thing to say about the Resident Evil 8 slash Village trailer. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I watched a ton of the... Yeah, I, haven't, I don't think I've watched all of them, but I've watched most of the trailers that they played during that uh, PlayStation 5 reveal. That trailer for Resident Evil 8 is easily the most dramatically satisfying for me. It's, like, hmm. clearly the best directed. It's the best edited. It has this buildup. I mean, I, I like. I love that they saved it for the end because it, it is, like... Because mm. there was some... Yeah. Like the wham shot. Yeah. It just... It's... I mean, to me... Like, I watched some of the others. And these are sometimes for franchises I was excited to see come back and stuff to see from. I mean, Demon Souls looks amazing. But, I mean, Resident Evil 8 just, like, dramatically was like, I'm in. Like, just the edit, the sound design is good. Just, like, it just... It's really good. It's it, As a filmmaker, I was like, yes, that's the good. That's the juice. Give me. Well, the thing is, any, any big entry in a franchise should always have a moment... In the announcement trailer, where you go, oh shit! Yeah, with excitement. It definitely had and that. Th- yeah, it does. It has that right at the end. Mm. Oh god! Yeah, man. Yeah. So, he, he totally sounds like Carlos, though, right? I, right? Yeah. Okay. It 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 makes me wonder if that means it's the they may have the same voice director, so that he kind of gives that inflection. Mm. Well, they're probably working on it at the same time, and Capcom. Probably just want yeah. to like, well, we've already got the guys here. Let's bring them in for this game. <laughs> I mean, it, it leads me to my favorite theory that uh, Chris Redfield is actually Carlos. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay. That's, 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 that's <laughs> never saw it coming. Never saw it that coming. That kind of beats my yeah. theory that Wesker's back from the dead and has had plastic surgery to look like Chris. No, no, no. It's I a wish, Mission Impossible. Wish... It's, it's one of those Mission Impossible masks. Oh, that's being ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah. No, no. I, I, I hope, I hope it's true. No, like it's like the virus stuff because, like, it's like how Carla became Ada. Oh, okay. Like yeah, yeah, like that. I face. mean, there's, there's in universe. Okay, okay. I'm thinking of what you're putting down. All right. Yeah, and I'm gonna say. Then I also personally hope for the rumors that uh, one of those vampire ladies is actually Natalia slash Alex. So then we get like full Wesker. I would. That would be excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that was kind of one of my first thoughts as well, is that Natalia is back. And I mean, like, we kind of worked this out last week just after the announcement. Kind of, if the game is set several years after RE7, kind of puts it around 2022, um, that would put Natalia around 2021. Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So that'd be enough time for if Alex really did implant her mind in Natalia that'd give her enough time to mature. Right. God, that, I still need to finish the Revelations 2 DLC. That reminds me. I, I don't know. I haven't even started mm-hmm. it. What am I saying? Gotta do the whole thing. Well, I gotta do it. Although now it just means that we're looking at the Resident Evil version of Superior Spider-Man. Oh my god. And less than 10 <laughs> minutes, we have a Marvel reference. Hey, we we, we had a movie reference like two two minutes in, so we're we're right on track. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. But um, what about the werewolf? Uh, I like him. I like I him. I think he's good. I think he's good. Um, it's he's uh, good. it's it's uh, what I like is it reminds me a little of uh, like even the like the pose and the the and everything reminds me a little bit of Bernie Wrightson's Cycle of the Werewolf Art, which I oh, like. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. It does it does kind of have that that edge kind of to gives it. Gives me the feel of like um, Benicio del Toro's Wolfman. Yeah, that which, too. Yeah, yeah. Which I I need to see. I, I my dad finally watched that and said it was really good. Or at least he liked it anyway. 
I think I saw yeah, that. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. It was, uh, um, it was Joe Johnston, right? I'll look that up later. Yeah, uh, yeah I think, so. I think um Less than 10 minutes in, we've had another movie reference. <laughs> We're on track. We're on track. But I think uh, one thing I'm kind of hoping for with the werewolf is that if it's one enemy, it's going to be a pursuer type like uh, Mr. X or Nemesis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If it's going to be an enemy we're going to have to fight in several areas, I'm kind of hoping it's going to be the hunter type. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm going to say I, I think I think they're going to do them as like a hunter type because I think it kind of looked like there was more than one of them in like one um, the scene where like it looks like the executioner's jumping down. Yeah. Um, I'll have to check that shot again. I think there's part of me wants to say you're right. Because I know there's that, more than yeah, there's a yeah. shot where um, Ethan's in the farmhouse with the old man. Oh, oh yeah. yes, I was, and that was yeah. the other thing I was thinking and too. The old man points out. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm super looking forward to having more actual like in-game cinematics where you get to see like characters' faces. Honestly, that that is kind of the thing that like made me less emotionally attached to Ethan, where it's like, I know a lot of people aren't super into Ethan as a character, and I like him just fine. But personally, I like people better when I can see their faces mm-hmm. sometimes, mm-hmm. at least yeah, for a little I mean, while. Like, it, it's one thing for him to be reacting to, uh, to, say, Jack bursting in on him, and he's going, oh shit. But I mean, like, if he if there was a cut scene where he gets knocked down, you pan out to see Ethan's face. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, I really hope at least occasionally we get to see him. And not his hands. Right. Yeah, not. It's like yes, I know. I love your hands, Ethan. They're they're very soft. Good for you. Right. It actually, turns it, out Resident Evil Eight is the quest for Ethan to find a mirror. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and then that's the reveal. He's a vampire, and he has no reflection. Oh shit! Ooh. It comes full circle. Right. Um, by the way, speaking of, did any of you notice that shot where because uh, it was his left hand that gets chopped off, right, and uh, it gets mm-hmm. it gets sta- stapled back? There's a shot in the trailer where he's getting like kind of like creeped on by the 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 women, and the one yeah. of the women is like sniffing around his hand, and it's like that was an interesting clue. Almost kisses her. Right. Yeah. Because that, that they kept they kept saying he was like drinking her. Like she was drinking his blood, but I was like, no, I think she's just sniffing no. him inappropriately. No. He's he's still got the spores in him. I don't think they'd be able to get rid of them that easily. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Which, what probably happened is when Evelyn died, the spores became inactive. Right. Mm. So I th- yeah. think we each have a theory about what's going to happen. So, yeah, I've, I've got. Yeah, I have my theory about the prologue, but you guys go ahead if you have other stuff. Yeah, Vanessa, if you want to go ahead. Yeah, I think my my theory is that Mia is still not actually dead because I shot her with a lot more bullets than <laughs> Chris Redfield did, and she got up. So yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not willing to believe she's dead until I play through the entire game and and see it for myself. But I can see how that would you know freak Ethan the the hell out. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Well, then I sh- yeah that kind of goes into into my theory. But Paul, well, you go you go ahead. Well, my theory is that. Chris is feigning being a rogue agent to in order to infiltrate this new organization because they realize the danger Mia is in. And I mean, like, they're stated that she's supposed to be pregnant, I think. So She had the child, I think? I believe. I, it's I up think in the air the, at the moment. Yeah. So right. to keep her safe, they fake her death and put her into witness protection 
something happens that causes Ethan to go after Chris. Mm. Okay. That's, you know, that the, these are these are two good theories. Um yeah, so that's, that's good. And this kind of, you know, the idea of like infiltration and things like that kind of goes if all three of these in some respects can work. Cuz my theory is that the scene at the house with Chris and all that is a prologue. In the middle of the night, Mia's mold reactivates, but that could be the cover, obviously. And have a sort of a tutorial level playing as Ethan and Mia's running around the house and they essentially just do the ending sequence of uh, Hereditary uh, where the boy is being chased by mom. And um, Spoiler. Uh, I mean, that I, been a- I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, haven't seen it. When you get about halfway through that movie, you know something bad's going to go on between the mom and the, and the son through that picture. So um, I didn't spoil all of it. Anyway, so that's basically your setup. You learn your mechanics, and then Chris breaks in once you feel like you've sort of stopped the encounter or Mia's gone back to normal. And the idea is that, well, they had a tracker on her. They knew that she activated. They sent in a team or were standing by, nearby. Um, and it's implied that the folktale is local that she's reading. So that means it might already be in Romania or in, quote-unquote, not Romania. And, um, or, you know, Eastern Europe somewhere. No mania. No mania. There you go. And <laughs> so, hey, Chris does his thing. Um, she could still be alive, which is completely possible. This could be part of a cover, completely possible. Grabs Ethan and Mia, gets them into the plane. There was that rumor we heard about a plane crash being what gets Ethan and Chris out into this area in the village, in the remote area. Basically set up that, okay, he's going to bring them in and, you know, bring you know her for analysis and him for also analysis or, you know, debriefing or interrogation, imprisonment, whatever. Plane crashes and that strands them in the area and then bang, there, there goes your narrative. There you go. I do want to point out as well that just in case Chris does turn out to be a rogue agent, uh, going back to the bath we did, he would actually be approaching 50. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And kind of having to spend half his life fighting against bioorganic weapons and seeing thousands of people being killed probably has done a number on his head. So if he does become the villain, it's easy to see why. Right. Yeah, I mean, I would get it. Yeah. It's a case of I'm I'm coming around to the idea, not necessarily that I like it, but that I accept it. Like, I'm, I'm willing to work with this. I'm not going to – this isn't as bad as the reaction of, you know, they're just crazy people in this town in Spain from Resident Evil 4 back when that was announced in – good God, what was that? March 20, 2004, I think. Yeah. Uh, We're going to be leaving um, that for another discussion. That, yeah. that's, a, that's a whole other topic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I would like to say that, like, if, if this is the game where Chris actually dies as opposed to just retiring, then I would really like to have a segment where we actually get to play as him because I would hate to have, like, the end of his game be a game he wasn't actually even, uh, like, involved in except for, like, cutscenes. Yeah, you, you mm-hmm. want one last hurrah for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want I want the characters that know him and care about him to actually have a part in it because mm-hmm. I would I would like even more than not being able to play as Chris. I would absolutely hate if they killed him off in in village and we didn't get to see Claire and Jill and Barry. Yeah. And I mean yeah. like 
and I would if, I would hate that. If the rumours yeah. about Natalia, Natalia being in the game are true, that would break Barry's heart. Oh, Poor Barry. Uh, his yeah. his own heart would just like shatter into a million pieces. I mean, like that guy just he might be the most gruff character, <sighs> but he's also one of the most loving and he, he took this girl into his yeah. heart and just breaks it. It's the uh the flakiest crust has the creamiest center. He's he's a he's a bear. He's a yeah. He's a big he's old a bear. bear. He's, he's a he's, big old He's Barry Burton. Yeah, he is. <laughs> so like that that is what I would like, but I would also accept if he just yeah. retired. It's the live in the that. farm with Jill. Let him retire. Yes. Yeah. And or as we were we were we were joking the other day about them starting a sandwich shop. I'm yeah, still working there on you that go. Menu. They got a ready made career. Yeah, we got <laughs> we we have got to do that menu. I'll post it on the Twitter. <laughs> right. So Resident Evil Ace, early twenty twenty one. Yep. yep. And we will get more more information about the game, I believe, in August. I think Fingers crossed for my birthday. Fingers crossed for my birthday. <laughs> Yay. All right. So with news done, we are going to be moving on to our main topic, the Resident Evil 3 remake that was released at the beginning of April. So. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah it took us a little bit. Well, we wanted to really get our our hands into it just move things around, deal with Nemesis. Also, it felt a little bit too topical at that time. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people had a lot of really hot takes about, about RE3, so it felt like it'd be better to, like, you know, get our words in at the end rather than in the middle of it, Yeah, in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's good. And, I mean, I didn't want to talk about it until after I'd, like, 100%ed it. Yeah. It, it's interesting, actually. It was. It was the. F- I think it's the first game I've ever platinumed, to be honest. Um, I want to say that until Ghost Survivors came out, I had RE2 remake platinumed. Wow, impressive. Mm, also, f- RE7 until any of the DLC. <laughs> <laughs> oh darn! Base game, base game. That's all you need to count. Yes. Yes. Um. But yeah, so what's the general consensus of how we feel about this, about this remake here? I enjoyed it. It's pretty good. I I uh I give it the thumbs up, yes. Yeah, like it's it's enjoyable. Uh it just has a lot more uh caveats to it than I guess two in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was my feeling as well. It's like there's a I like how someone put it this might have been Ink Ribbon, I think, um on YouTube said it was that it's more of a reimagining than a remake. And that that feels great. Yeah. That feels accurate. I'd say it's yeah. It kind of feels a bit more like an ex, a separate expansion pack for RE2. Also, also fair. And that yeah yeah that also like in some ways it does feel like they're trying to remind you of the original, and then they go yeah, but instead of doing that, we're doing this right now. Right, right. I mean, I suppose where we really should start is just kind of like what were our biggest disappointments. Yeah. Um, Just get that out of the way. I'm going to say pacing, <laughs> I think. Yeah. it's Pacing is a back and forth for me because I, I agree the first run in particular, especially when I'm doing a more narrative-centric run, the pacing feels mm-hmm. odd. It's it, There's a sort of stop and start and go. Even the opening. I love the opening sequence in many ways, like especially like you know the first run of it. 
is fantastic, but when you start to break down the components of like the nightmare scene and then the initial phone call and then the chase and then Brad and then getting your gun and then getting to the rooftop and then the car and then the subway, it it's mm. pretty clunky. It's, it's very yeah. Uh, yeah. disjointed. I actually timed it once. I timed it once. It took 10 minutes most yeah. to get from the beginning of the game. To a point where you, you could actually start playing the game yourself. Yeah, as, as far as I've heard, speedrunners have been saying, I think like the shortest I've seen is about nine minutes. And all speedrunners basically have said like yeah. they, they do not like the opening that way, being done that way. Yeah, it, it's, it's a lot in ten minutes. Because you're going from nightmare, apartment, being chased by Nemesis, being punched a lot by Nemesis, mm-hmm. escaping Nemesis... Getting to Brad, following Brad, the bar, uh, trying to get to, from the bar to the uh, rooftop, and then, okay, yeah, suddenly now you can play. And that is a lot to jam into the first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, that, that one corner where uh, Jill meets Carlos is the busiest goddamn corner in Raccoon City. It is, yeah. That is like, isn't that the exact same corner where the the crash happens into? I suspect it is based on the geography of being able to see the uh, police station from that angle. Yeah. At, yeah. at the at the very least, it's at, at most it's like a block over because I think you see the front gate, and I think when you start as Leon or sorry, Leon or Claire, yeah, whatever. Resident Evil Two first st- scenario. Sorry, thank you. First scenario, thank you. Um, the uh, you start, you know, you turn around and you have to go through the alleyways. So you cross a, a city block to your left of the direction you were heading. And then, yeah. And then when you come up that, you're on the right side of the building's front door, front gate. Mm. And you can see yeah. the front gate. Yeah, so exactly. The point is, though, is that that, that city block, though, lots of activity. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like, between Resident Evil 2 and 3, most of the action takes place in a very small area of the city. Yeah. 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 It's like what if Od- you're... oddly smaller than I thought. Right. Like I, I legitimately thought that um, when playing the demo, that area would be. It was like oh, like a good like hour into the game, so that was like the second major area that you've been to. But no, no, that is that's it. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. That's the whole point for the first part of the game. That, that is that is almost the entire point of the game. Right. It's it's the uh, uh, yeah. Because we we were I remember when it came out we were discussing it's like that's like the first act and when you're done with that whole circuit loop in the subway station that's the end of Act One. So you get to the separation point. Act Two is when you start as Carlos in the RPD, and that arc concludes when you have uh, you're back to Jill before the the lab run. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like the the uh, hospital feels like a- another area, but it's still so much smaller and, and still far more contained. So it, it still doesn't feel like you got a second hub area. Yeah. It, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think a lot of it as well is just that you go from the city streets to the power station, back to the streets, mm-hmm. to the subway station, to... Um, Sewer. Basically, Carlos, yeah, the sewer, then Carlos at the RPD, the Jill fighting nemesis outside the clock tower, mm-hmm. the hospital, and then the lab. And 
as much as I like RE3, it's it is a short game. Yeah. And I kind of prefer that, but it's just so much is jammed in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It throws off the pacing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't have I don't have problems with the length of it in and of itself because that it's still like an average uh, Resident Evil game. It's just that the pacing and the lack of like one other hub area makes the entire game feel and is perceived as way shorter. Right. Yeah. I mean, like if you could use the clock tower as a hub, so say Jill gets out of the um, subway. She's going to the clock tower and then fights Nemesis, gets infected. Carlos has to navigate his way through the clock tower to get to the hospital. Right. That could have added another half hour and made yeah. the game feel a lot longer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even would have been all right with, like, say, you're coming out of, like, a storm drain or something near a park that then leads to the clock tower. So you actually reverse the posi- like mm-hmm. the pacing of that. Because I felt like pacing-wise, the jump from going from the RPD, which kind of has its not necessarily climactic, but it has a you know it it tries to have a climactic moment where you blow the door, the sorry, they blow the wall open, you get a rush of like I think it was like eight or nine zombies, you get one more liquor, yeah. and that's it, and then you jump to Jill, and with and if you're fast, if you're like you know going through this you know pow pow pow. Less than ten minutes is when you get to the boss fight with Nemesis Volume Two, and that's that, yep. that that's like nothing, yeah. you know, in terms of pacing. It goes really quick. Yeah, but it kind of fits. It. Fits I mean, the, uh, alternately, uh, I mean, alternately, uh, I was I was really hoping for like a Tyrell going through the yeah. clock tower mm-hmm. to reach the hospital. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like it it also fits into the theme of the game that. You are constantly being chased by this killer. You know, things are going to be frantic. It's just, we're fine with the frantic. Cason's just the issue. And I think that is the core issue here. Right. I mean, it's it's like how, you know, one of the things people, people love, love to talk about how Mad Max Fury Road is like the greatest action movie of like the last like 30 years. And arguably, I would say I would actually agree with that. But the thing that people, I think, sort of underestimate about that film because it is really a constant chase once it get, they get on the road. Yep. The pacing of it, like how they have, it's really careful. George is super careful with his pacing that it's just enough of a breather before the next set piece so that you're always got something going on but that you're never getting too sick of it. And, game, and for game design, I noticed that's, that's a level design. It's You have to be very careful with like, they're trying to do the case of where you're not doing like necessarily the same thing all the time consistently, but there's also the case of where you also have to have, if you're going to have a mechanic or a sequence or an area, you have to have enough time to enjoy it and to savor it. And I feel like this suffers from that issue because of the fact that, so like even just like the, the sewers being like a couple of rooms or one puzzle a little longer or a little extra, as we're saying, the clock towers, I think, obviously, for us, well, we clearly, all three of us agree, we miss the most. Like, just having even something as, as the size mm. of the sewers, the sewer segment. I, I, I miss the beginning yeah. area the most. Yeah? So that's so yeah. the, uh, that'd be Uptown, right? Yeah, I wanted more Raccoon City. I needed one more hub yeah. area for Raccoon City. Like, as much as I, I visually like the park and I, I like the, the clock tower... I I care the most about the city itself. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, I understand that because 
this city has been such a central point for the franchise mm-hmm. for so long, but you don't see any parts of it. It doesn't feel like you do. You see, like, this fragment. Like, basically, the downtown shopping area means we just went to the mall. That's all we did. We went to the mall. We went and go to, you know, to the couple of garages and some back alleys, you know. Like, it, you see a couple of square miles of a city that has a population of what? Fifty, sixty thousand, or is it a hundred? I think it's a hundred. It's a hundred thousand. Yeah, we we did the math on the last episode for that. Yeah, I mean, like the the kind of area you explore in the game, that would be the main street here in in the nearest city to me. Yeah, it's it's nothing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's, it's a um, yeah, just to just to I guess to add on to what you're saying though, yeah, it's like it it doesn't sell the scope of the city. Because we keep looping back to the same area again and again. Yeah, I feel like a little disconnected. And I think that actually goes back to the first, uh, like the intro movie mm-hmm. that feels way more separate from the actual game than like any of the other ones. And yeah, like it was really cool at first, but then I was like, yeah, but I'm I'm also at the same time not seeing any of the actual city. I'm not seeing the cops getting their shit wrecked mm-hmm. by zombies. I'm not seeing any yeah. USBCS getting you're wrecked by stock zombies. Footage. Yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing stock footage and and Nemesis waking up. And the Nemesis waking up thing is cool, but I wanted like actual uh, visual context in the city seeing how bad it's getting. Exactly. I mean, one of the most iconic images from the original Resident Evil 3 is that scene in the intro where the cops and the SWAT team are pulled up. They set up a barricade with cars, mm-hmm. and they're shooting at this uncommon horde of zombies, and getting overwhelmed. Yep. Yeah. It's it's and it is like you don't get that. Exactly. Yeah, you don't. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I don't mean to like interject. I just again adding on to your thought. It's like it's the unforgettable image. Mm-hmm. It's the iconic scene of the game. Exactly. As, yeah. As iconic as Nemesis is jumping down off the RPD. And killing mm. Brad. I I also still think he should have done that. Agreed. Yeah, but if you ask me to think of a uh, of an image that sums up Resident Evil Three, it's going to be that scene with the cops. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, and it's like the the thing I think of, and I I think pacing wise, I would have preferred the uptown area to have been an actual slower paced thing building up to the first appearance of Nemesis, which is not to, like, compare it to the original specifically, but I think in terms of just pacing on its own, it would have been it would have been better. Right. I think one of my bigger disappointments for the game was the fact that in the first hub area, you when, when you've played through a couple of times, you know exactly where Nemesis is going to pop up. He is a set piece. He is not a wandering character like Mr. X was in 2. Right. So, I mean, like, I think they were... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, please, go ahead, mm. go ahead. I was, gonna, I was just going to say that there are points where you could literally throw a grenade, walk up, Nemesis breaks through the wall just as the grenade explodes, and goes into a stunned state. And I mean, like, when you get to that point in the game, it's not a challenge. The thing I was going to say to that note is the grenades feel very much like a double-edged sword. They remind me a little bit of how they use the rocket launchers in Las Plagas games. I, I love that they're this problem solver, but at the same time, it's a little... Because I, I replayed this most of yesterday and a bit of today. Um, on standard difficulty, with the when you especially when you unlock the coins, 
Mm. It just, it, I guess what it is, it starts to feel like, what's the point? Yeah. What's the point of even having the, the those boss fights at that point? I mean, you know, why even have those I mean, encounters? Like, when I get the raid, when I got the Raiden, which is one of the unlockable weapons, the game just kind of lost any sense of challenge for me because I'm going for headshots left, right, and center. And I'm just getting that satisfying mm-hmm. critical hit. Now, granted, I can't use it against a very fast-paced enemy like Nemesis. But by that stage, I've built up such an arsenal of ammo or shotgun rounds or grenade launcher rounds. There's no challenge. Mm-hmm. Now, mm. try it on Nightmare or Inferno. And you'll have a bit of a different perspective mm, about the writing. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> so I, I, I've seen you Or just play. everything in general. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Oh, God. I mean, the thing... I think the thing about Nemesis is because um, how Mr. X did appear... And I, I don't think he's just free-roaming. Mr. X also has very hard triggers, which once you learn the pacing of the game, you you do everything that you need to do before triggering him so you can minimize the time that he is on your ass. Mm. Right. Like that is that is the same, and Nemesis has the same thing. The problem is that if you played the demo, you kind of know what the trigger is going to end up being. Yeah. So you know you know what to do in this area to keep that that trigger from happening. But you know, people who want to have more Nemesis, uh, you know, on on their ass, uh, don't bother uh, doing any of the unlocking stuff until after uh, the power. Uh, gets returned from the power station. So then they feel like they're getting like the pursuer thing. But I think the problem is that in order to do what they wanted to do with Nemesis, they had to like give him a lot more powers and then that made him too tough. So they had to cut back on the time that he was directly on your ass. Yeah. Yeah. Because people complained about Mr. X. Oh yeah. He's not an enemy. He's a set piece. Yeah. And I mean, I, I always considered him kind of a set piece. I mean, I was never as big of a fan of him mechanically. I was always, like, really annoyed whenever he would show up in the original. And, I mean, to their credit, I, I feel the same way now <laughs> in, mm. in the remake. I'm like, yeah, I'm still y- you again. God damn it. I mean, you're thinking, hey, this guy's an asshole. He's still an asshole. And he's an asshole 25 years ago. <laughs> right. He is, yeah, like, he's continued to be the same asshole. I mean... It, to to remake three's credit, I feel about it in comparison to its Resident Evil two equivalent, like the exact same way. It, it feels like I'm like I like it quite a bit, but also it feels kind of under undercooked. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. It, it it feels as if they if they wanted to create this interesting challenge and to make the set pieces kind of work and not be this kind of frustrating sense of like because you know it, it becomes old hat like i mean you know so uh, quick inter- quick inter- interjective qu- question before i make this point um how many times have all of us gone through it all the way through because i know i've beaten it on every difficulty mm. and i've done it on assisted and standard at least twice i think i've gone through it about four or five times uh definitely double digits i lost track uh um last count of hours that they t- they said that i put in total was 75 Wow. Damn. Wow. Um, but, uh, okay. So uh, I guess what I mean is like, is, 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 and this is a good, interesting point though, is that we're coming from the perspective of having gone through it 
multiple times. And so we've, we've learned the patterns. And this is a game that actually really encourages that. That's why they allow you to unlock the, uh, the lockpick and the bolt cutters early in the, uh, with the, as an unlockable with the, um, uh, yeah, the, in the store. The lockpick, lockpick and the bolt cutter, though, it makes the game stupidly easy to complete very quickly. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's a case of where, you know, I was going from like wondering like, oh my God, how am I going to do this in two hours to realizing like, oh, I could do this in like an hour. An hour and a half. Yeah. I, I think my fastest time still is like an hour and 20, but that was one of the higher difficulties. I haven't done like a stupid fast run on assisted yet just to see how fast I can do it. Um, but uh, it's like, yeah, I, 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 this is where I think the undercooking aspect definitely comes into play is that, you know, they... I'm curious how they were on budget because it feels like they had to be very careful with where they spent it and that there are situations you wonder, at least I wonder, that say with Nemesis, giving him more toys to play with, giving him more um, kind of more random behaviors and et cetera, how much of that was stuff they started to test out and then began to realize, okay, we've implemented this, but we can't really have him do this that often because we don't have the time to test it because we have a deadline. I don't think that was even so, the case. I think it was just a situation where the budget was split between the main game and resistance. So I, th- that's another, that's an interesting point. I'm curious because mm. I, I don't know what the, the, I don't know what the split was for, for the budget for that. As far as I know, the numbers. But I think, yeah. like, just the sheer amount of after support resistance is getting, though. Yeah. Yeah. Good, I mean, good I, I kind of get the feeling that I think the idea was always more like, here's resistance. Oh, by the way, we've tacked on Resident Evil Three. <laughs> well, they like, uh, oh, they but, announced resistance but, before Resident Evil Three, so I'm not terribly surprised. By exactly. That. Yeah, I would be. Surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Like, man, I mean, that like, bums me out. Yeah. I mean. <sighs> To give Capcom their due, they were probably smart enough to realize that people would not want to play a multiplayer online game which had very few characters they recognized or were from the main series. Right. And felt that, especially when the um, announcement was made, so they probably felt, we'll tack it on to Resident Evil 3 gives us a bit of connection then so we can bring characters from that into resistance. I'm curious how the timing of those events, because they, it's one of those, I don't always trust the, the story I hear about Resident Evil three's remakes development, about how, how concurrent Mm. or simultaneous or subsequent it was to the Resident Evil two remake. And and part of that is because my understanding, at least from what I've seen is most of those discussions have been translated from interviews and so I don't know to what extent, like, there's a little, you know, as in, there's articles that will discuss it, but I'm not here seeing direct quotes from translators or from the people themselves speaking in English. So it's hard for me to take, you know, everything seriously and say, like, oh, yeah, it was this or that. So, I mean, I, I'm not discrediting what you're saying, Paul. I'm actually, I, I agree that there is that, there is a room for that, yeah. that I'm, well, I'm I think intrigued. RE3's production probably started around the midpoint for RE2. That seems fair. Yeah. Um, because they've obviously got a lot of the assets in place, most right. notably the streets and um, the RPD. So it's mm-hmm. it's that's a big chunk out of their way, uh, especially like mm-hmm. you don't yeah. need a lot of zombie models. Yeah, they added some new ones, or at the very least, they've reskinned a yeah, few. Yeah, but I, think, so. I mean, like they did, they did. It's not a huge variety, so I mean, like. When you think about it, 
the downtown, the uh, sewer and the uh, subway, the lab, and uh, the hospital. They're probably the biggest yeah. challenges they had to make, and if you had a dedicated team, you could get that done relatively quickly. Yeah. And especially because the engine's already in place, you're reusing materials, and, you, and when it comes to shaders and shader materials and things like that, a lot of that, since so many systems have become node-based in that regard, I don't know how the RE engine handles it, but I mean, a lot of it's just changing parameters, and bam, you have a new texture. You know, you might have a new, you might have the same uh, image map or the you know the same uh, color map, and then you just put a new displacement map on top of it, and voila, you have something. You've new. already you've already got like the umbrella lab from RE two. It's exactly. not a huge shift to change it to. The lab in RE3. Well, I mean, they even call it Nest 2, don't they? Yeah. They do. Yeah. I mean, uh, you can actually see visually um, that they did not have RE3's, like, construction site boss fight thing uh, planned out. That's right. Well enough ahead of time because, like, when you are replaying 2 and you look down that street, that building is completely yeah. different. It's not under construction. It's it's not burned down or anything. It is just a completely different building. So like that was all done, and then they decided when they were doing Nori three after to, to yeah, change I mean, that. Yeah, like it's. I don't know if it's like kind of realizing they're stuck for time or they were being lazy. But I mean, like it's it's evident in there that it is not thought out because it's such an easy section to get through, even on higher difficulties. Like I mean, that, like the, the construction site? Yeah. Yeah, the construction site's pretty easy. Oh, yeah. It's, it's oh, actually yeah. almost a breather section, despite the fact that Nemesis is chasing you with a flamethrower. Yeah, I never, I never felt in danger of those flames ever catching yeah. up to me, or him catching up to me. It, it always felt like I was... It was so... Stage. It reminds me of the story of uh, Dead Space about how they there's there's a there's a really good video that I think it was like Ars Technica or something has this war stories thing about different war stories from game development tales and where like you know games nearly sometimes never getting finished because of technical issues and so they have the director of Dead Space talking about the tentacle that comes and grabs you and drags you out and how that was a incredibly complicated piece of coding to figure out how to problem solve to get the thing to grab you seamlessly without using a cutscene cut to make it as a fully seamless yeah. gameplay to cutscene experience. And it's an interesting um, video and I do suggest people should see it because the amount of problems they actually went through for being such a small studio. Oh yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. And and that's the thing is to basically is what I'm you know the comparison I'm making here is that yeah this shows you what happens when you decide to make something so scripted and so much like okay we're going to teleport we're going to use the camera move to then teleport the player model to where it needs to go um that happens a bunch in that that ascent of the tower that it's like okay my connection gets kind of broken down on replay views I don't feel that same fiery intensity Yeah I mean like there have been times um, I've actually just kind of stood there Taking pot shots at Nemesis fuel tank. Yeah, I've seen you do that. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, it's not even like a case of I'm worried about the flames. It's just this guy's been fucking chasing me for so long. I just I'm, I'm I have had enough of this guy. <laughs> you suck. Yeah, fuck you, man. Yeah, how, how do you like that, huh? Shoot your fuel tank, you bastard. You, you tall asshole. That's um, right. If if I may, um. 
if, if I may, there was there was a couple of other you know because if we want to clear the, the the air about our disappointments, so I, I, there was a couple of like these seem kind of small, but they're sort of thematic ones uh, for me that I wanted to kind of get off my chest because this has been bothering okay. me for a while. If I may, um, is anyone else frustrated that the samurai edge gets left behind in her apartment? Mm. No, no, because I've I, I've almost been exclusively using yeah. it in replays. <laughs> <laughs> That's my point is that like if because I know it's I have to go to the item box to get it. That bothers me. If she runs out of ammo, I'll buy that. You know, if like you have you have a, I mean, because we have not yet had a Resident Evil game that gave you a gun that was empty, that was dry. I love the idea that she empties that clip into Nemesis is basically like blasted out of her, her apartment and she has, you know, and this is her gun. It's this this iconic weapon for for the Resident Evil franchise, and it just I don't know. I wasn't a fan of the Glock. It just what it was. It was very disconnecting, and even though it was kind of cool as a way to you know, use that and then add the add-ons to do the whole STI Eagle mm-hmm. thing, but yeah. But I think anyway, like that, with the Samurai Edge, it's kind of you know, it's it's that cliche in that in the third film or the third game, you always bring the protagonist down to rock bottom. They lose everything. They need to build themselves up again. So I mean, like in essence, that's what's happening to Jill. She loses the samurai edge. I I hear what you're saying. I mean, I I guess what it is is that thematically or dramatically for me, I like those those elements of connection. I guess what I mean is I feel more of a connection, say, with um, Carlos having his rifle than I do with Jill and the Glock because it's it's just it becomes so standard i guess what it means it's like we've gone back to like this this very standard default you know and so that even when it's customized you don't get to give it a burst fire you know uh thing you have to find a completely different weapon with its own customizations for it. anyway it's it's a dumb complaint but whatever um, but really, you have to lose the samurai edge because you have to give the zombies a chance <laughs> that's what i mean though ammunition you can't use it because no, it's no, no. A, i mean like you have to give them a chance because if jill's got the samurai edge she's kicking all their asses numbers it's always i mean zombies are always a numbers game but anyway it's a case of you know i think we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on on this one i missed it it matters to me but um the other one that was i was also thinking about we were talking about pacing and um the other thing also i found interesting was how carlos's last segment the wave combat in in the hospital segment Mm. i I've played a lot of the Call of Duty zombie stuff, and I really do enjoy those. Um, I'm not as hardcore as other people are, but you know, it, it's you know, there have been some good ones that I've really enjoyed. I like wave-based combat. I'm fine with it. I felt like with what Carlos, Carlos needed a boss fight. He needed a boss that was all of his own to fight. The way because I when I made the I was thinking about this today, he gets to fight Nemesis in the original. Yeah. Yeah, and he doesn't just get to fight Nemesis. He gets to fight the shirtless, well, tentacle-ripped version of Nemesis. The one who well, he doesn't Jill. have to. True. But my he, I mean, is, most most of the time when I'm replaying, I, I, I just book it so that Nemesis doesn't reach the door before I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, totally. <laughs> but my, my point is, is that there is a sense of him confronting this creature, mm. which it felt a little disconnected. And it's, it's a bit of a disconnect. I mean, admittedly, we do get him firing the rocket launcher at Nemesis. But I mean, think of like the payoff to that setup mm. where he encounters Nemesis this the second, this time in, in the hospital or just at some point, some other point, especially this upgraded bigger version of him. And 
Nemesis is like goes, is, you know, is is moving, and then when he shoots him, you know, and Carlos empties a clip into him, and you know, like hits him somewhere, somewhere sensitive, some weak spot, some bit of flesh that's been torn open, and Nemesis cocks his head and turns to Carlos and has that like almost like that little Michael Myers head tilt, like, oh, hi, I remember you. It is some sort of connection. Mm. I mean, I know that goes against you know so much of what people say Nemesis needs to be as a character, but just I guess what I mean is. I wanted some sort of element of extra drama because it just felt like, oh, it's just a swarm of zombies. I, I think that set piece is cool. I just feel like... Yeah, I a, think that kind of goes it, back to the production. Like, there aren't a lot of bosses no. in RE3 Remake. No, it's just it's just Nemesis. Yeah, so I think like it's just one of those situations where they probably would have loved to have had like a few bosses, but be it budget, Actually, crunch time, resources... Yeah. Yep. That's that's where you put your grave digger. Yep. Oh my god, yes. As a boss fight for for Carlos, but uh, to uh, alternate to that, um you have to give Carlos uh more weaponry then. Because he needs to be just as like well outfitted as Jill for a a boss fight like that because between just his like Assault rifle, his handgun, and a couple of grenades. He is not equipped to take on anything no. more than those hunters. That's a good yeah, point. I mean, like, That's a good point. It kind of goes back to RE3, uh, the original. Carlos did not have a lot. And they're kind of going with the idea that Mm-mm. he shouldn't have a lot now. Despite the fact that he is a soldier in a combat zone. Like, I, I think he should have had, like, a Magnum or... Even just like found like another cash point where he could have used the rocket launcher. Yeah, I'm like, hey, hey, that rocket launcher. Oh, we never see it again. Yeah, um, <laughs> just imagine like uh, Carlos killing a zombie squirrel. <laughs> and Joel's like, so did you bring the rocket launcher, Carlos? And he's like, no, I left it behind. Really? Mm-hmm. The zombie squirrel. So I'm actually going to take oh. a real quick peek because there's uh, there's his. Because his pistol's different, right? It's the, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, oh, damn it, they don't have it it's, in the, f- I found the list, I found a mm-hmm. list, and they don't have it, they don't have his, his, uh. It goes pew pew his, instead of Jill's bang bang. Right. Um, yeah, my point is yeah, that it's that slightly I'm, different. I'm, I'm trying to remember if they, they made it a higher caliber, like a 40 Smith & Wesson instead of a 9mm, but I don't think that even matters, since mm, you're just going to no. use the, the, that's right, yeah, because you're still using the 9mm rounds. Yeah, they said it was for, yeah. the burst fire was taken out for accuracy reasons, I think is what it says. There's uh-huh. a line of description. Well, there you go. Something like that. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's a, that's right, he uses a Glock 18, she finds a Glock 17. I, I remember now. Okay. G- gun nerd shit. Anyway, um, but yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, we've been, we've been chatting for a lot about like the stuff that disappointed, like, is there anything else we want to sort of clear our, our heads of, or do we feel like it's time to actually like, you no, know, this is no we did say we enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I just, I, I, I think, you know, airing disappointments first and then ending on a positive note, you know, leaves you feeling more upbeat about it. I mean, like at the end of the day, we've all enjoyed Resident Evil 3. This is not a podcast to make disparaging comments about it. We are going to talk about the things we liked about it. No. Right. Until we get to the movies, that's when this we is, start. This is critiquing. There are no movies. <laughs> there are no movies in Bossing City. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, I, I mean, I did want to say, you know, lack of costumes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Costumes. Okay, that's, it's uh, killing me. It's killing yep. me. Yep. And just the janky-ass way that you you get unlockables. 
Like, I don't have a problem with the store, but the fact that, like, Jill only gets RE1 and RE3 classic costumes, and Carlos gets a hideous haircut, and that's yep. it. He doesn't even get an actual costume. He gets nope. nothing. My poor boy. Look what I they've done him. to him. I love him so much, and he gets no handsome costumes for his handsomeness. Well, Carlos gets, goes from poodle on his head to a shih tzu. <laughs> it's, t- it, it's just awful. It is a terrible haircut. And I'm like, oh, God, turn it off, turn it off. No, make it go away. Make the bad hair go away. I'm almost tempted to do a playthrough now and just stream a few. And Carlos no, has bad just, hair. Yeah, oh, and I'm, no. I'm just going to be sitting there the whole time going, make the bad hair go away. <laughs> Make it go away. I don't like it. Like I really, I want I, PC I, so I could mod it. Oh god damn it! You and you, you PC people, will you get your alternate costumes while I'm sitting here with my console crying? Yeah. It shouldn't be up. It shouldn't be up to modders. It. it we should have at least as many costumes as RE2. Hmm. Yeah. RE2 didn't even have that many, all things considered, and that still yeah. is. Yeah. It could but have gone it's for even one more. Yeah, I mean it's comparable. I just I wanted something at the, like the equivalent level, and that that again yep. feeds into feeling like they didn't have a lot of time and mm. possibly money to put into it. But that's incredibly disappointing because like I want I want more stuff for it because it's like I do like this game. Please give me more of these things. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's wanting more and knowing that you can't get any more. I mean like. They've already announced that there's not going to be any DLC for RE3. Yeah. And I'm like, can I just keep telling you please, and then maybe you'll change your mind? Come on, please. Right. Please. i your friend. Please. Oh, I'm figuring. Well, Please, okay. sir, may I have some more? If I may be a bit of a doomsayer, doom- doom- this is Capcom. We have a new console on the way. What do you figure there's going to be an enhanced edition in another year or two? Well, I don't think they care enough about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> I will be honest. Talk about downer. RE3, no matter the version, it was never Capcom's idea for the franchise. There's a big story about that. We're not going to go into here, but um, yeah, I always got the feeling Capcom always treated RE3 like the redheaded stepchild. Why the hell do they keep fucking remaking it in so it's, many other games, though? It's just it's always it, it's always the stopgap between. Another bigger Resident Evil. It is like originally it's like the holdover until we yeah. get Code Veronica and four, and now it's All the right. holdover until we yeah. get eight. I mean, like, okay, That's so it's fair. the small it's the small little game that they say like here's here's this thing to occupy your time. But now since it's also packaged with Resistance, they go now you've got something else to occupy your time until Village comes out. And I mean, like to be honest as well, I think Capcom didn't expect. Nemesis to be one of the most popular games. No, no, they didn't. No, they did not. Yeah, we've, we've, yeah. I mean, the short version of the story is that it was a side project that was being done essentially as a, was like a guide in practically. Mm-hmm. And then, and then when Kovronica decided to be its own thing and not numbered, they moved, they essentially took the opportunity to move that. There was just some rearranging. Yeah. And so that's when it ended up happening, which is interesting because that ended up inadvertently creating, as we've talked about, the the raccoon, the the Arkley mm-hmm. Mountain trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will probably do a history episode of the game's development at some stage, but um, kind of kind of not the point to have it here. <laughs> it's an idea for later. Yeah. So now, so now everybody knows. There you right. go. I'll do that. <laughs> 
Okay, so uh, then uh, I guess that's it for um, the the critiquing segment. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to the cool shit and all the stuff we really liked about it. Okay, so we're uh, we're now moving on to the uh, positive stuff and all all the things that we thought were really super cool about Remake Three. And don't get us wrong, there's still a lot of really good stuff. Yes. Yeah. So what was each of one of your favorite things about it? Oh, God. Choosing a number one favorite thing is really tough. Um, the two main things is I love the character stuff and dramatically how it works. Like, the characters feel exactly like they were before, but they're these really revamped, enhanced versions of them. That's That's number one. The other is I love the smoothness of the gameplay. It feels so fun to play. Yeah. How about you, Paul? Um, I love the redesign of some of the creatures. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. In particular, like the hunters, both kinds. Yes. Yes. Because I mean, like I, I would admit the first time I saw the hunter was a gamma. Uh, the one on the was, sewer? Yeah. I thought that was a grave digger. Grave digger. Yep. We all did. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, the fact that that's actually a hunter, huge surprise. Yep. With little chicken feet. It's a twist. Little wings. Nubbins. Other thing I liked. Ooh. That's actually kind of a hard one, so I might just leave it there for a few minutes. <laughs> okay. There's actually I mean, just so much I enjoyed about the game. Well, then we'll, we'll weave it into it naturally as we talk about all the stuff that we liked. Or am I just suddenly yeah, yeah. blurted out? We'll see. <laughs> Whatever works. Yeah. Well, how about yourself, Vanessa? It, for me, it's definitely the characters. Like they, I always thought that the original RE3 storyline was because of the choose-your-own-adventure-style choices stuff. Occasionally, it got a little um, confusing. There's like a bit of a, a separation, and the characters would take like weirdly different tracks on things. And this was a really good opportunity... That I mean, I know a lot of people miss the live selection, but having a nice, tighter narrative where you get actual personality and arcs for the characters, and then and then you get upgraded stuff with Tyrell. Tyrell gets to have more than one scene, and he's really cool, yeah. and I love him. And and Carlos yeah. and Jill's friendship, like developing a, a like over the course of the game, is just it's really well done. Uh, he's not flirting with her like he was in the original. He's just like yeah. Now he's fl- he's flirting with her in a better way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, it's not like I'm a Latino lover. It's just kind of like, hey, here's somebody who is my equal. Mm-hmm. She's a badass. I I love how he 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 sh- does the shine to her like right out the gate. But like every time she does something cool, it's not like oh yeah, obviously because you're the greatest. It's more of like whoa. Like he keeps getting impressed with her with each succeeding you know thing that she does and reports in like oh yeah, I did this. Oh yeah, I did this. Um, I fell off the top of a bird and build, and I'm okay. Yeah, like, don't worry about it. I killed it. <laughs> like, like she resets the the subway, and he's like, "Jill, you are amazing. Tough as nails, too. Yeah. I love you. Yeah, <laughs> I already love you." And oh man, I I was replaying today the the hospital segment and the moment when he finally you know talk about the characters about the consistency. I love that Carlos. You get to see him complete his arc. And have the revelation of accepting he was working for the bad guys. That Umbrella yeah. was behind it. 
And I love that his take is in a way, isn't that like, oh no, I was betrayed or that anger. It's, he thinks of Jill and he says, she knew the whole time and she trusted me anyway. And like, it was like, feelings yep. <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> it's like, oh no, she, she still, she still worked with me. Oh my God. Well, I mean, like, he's, he's in a shit storm with her. I mean, he, she's not going to throw away any potential help she can get. Sure. Yeah, but I mean, like, he, he finds out and he understands completely why she could have easily just said, you know, screw all of you UBCS guys, I'm going off on my own to save people. And then With that would have been it. Or <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, truly, it wouldn't have worked out. But he he then realizes, yeah, she it would have made complete sense for her to do that. Yep. One thing that I kind of did enjoy that they kind of removed from this game is um, in the original, there were times where you would hear somebody scream. Yeah. you turn a corner, yeah. and there was somebody you could have saved if you were a little bit faster. That's just kicking Jill while she's down. I'm kind of glad they removed that from this game. Yeah, because yeah. you were mentioning how the original, the last episode you mentioned, the original was very much the story of failure. And by removing that, that really tones that feeling down. I wish we'd gotten at least one or like gotten to go back to see Dario because I think yeah. that would have... I would have I liked that. That would have been helpful. But really, you already had survivors. You had the people that the UBCS guys rescued and who were in the train carriage. So that's already something removed that would have been superfluous to needs. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, it's a, at the very least, I think, because that's interesting. I mean, not to get to, back into the disappointments, but I do remember one big disappointment is we never got to see Nemesis just absolutely wreck that train car. It's just like, you know, snap and it's done. Um, On the plus side, though, we did get Mikhail go get off my train ship. <laughs> that's a great yes. moment. I fucking love yes. that moment. And I, and I, I love that. Um, I think Air Force, I'm going to double check. I believe, God damn it! I gotta look this up. Nineteen ninety, I think it was ninety-eight or ninety-nine. Fuck. Uh, ninety-seven. Okay, good. Mikhail could have seen Air Force One at some point in ninety-seven, ninety-eight, and been actually quoting the Harrison Ford starring Wolfgang Peterson Die Hard ripoff Air Force One as it kills Nemesis or tries to kill Nemesis with a C four bomb. Entirely possible. Entirely possible. That makes me so happy. <laughs> It's such a good moment. I also love Nikolai, uh, like, backing away as soon as he sees Nemesis. It's like, whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> it, is, it is so delightful every time. I'm like, oh, Nikolai, you you total yeah, shit. Yeah, but I do love the fact that while Nikolai and Jill are having their little conversation, like, open the door, you fucking bastard. Mikhail's just picked up the C4 bomb. And he's just staring down He knows down what's Nemesis. necessary. Yep. <clears throat> And he knows what he has to do. Okay. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. the, the the stuff you get with with Mikhail and and like all of the UBCS that you do meet is is really great. I mean, except for poor Murphy immediately getting shot. Poor guy. This was not like an army that went down easily. They they went down fighting all of them, all except Murphy. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, Murphy went down fighting. It's just that he was, because, you know, he was injured. His death was instantaneous and not going out fighting. But, I mean, he still yeah. fought. I mean, his he death did. was kind of pathetic. Pathetic. Poor guy. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor Murphy. But, I mean, like, so it, it, in a game where they made everybody 
even more of a badass because it just yep. like, broke the meter. Just just broke the knob <laughs> right off. Like there it goes. The I mean, I, it, you know, into the sun. I love I love Nikolai. He's such an amazing asshole. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, just kind of moving on there. I mean, I know it's not a popular opinion. I love the redesign of Nemesis second form. Yes, I do too. Yeah, I don't know. I, do I, well. I have no problems with it. It just looks so monstrous. Mm-hmm. Compared to like, oh, Nemesis in his second form. Why well, he lost his shirt. He right. did. He lost his shirt. Oh, no. Look at those abs. Oh no! I, it's like you're going to be—you'll—you'll you'll quiver in in terror and and squeal with delight. My abs. Well, he could be more like uh, vomit and disgust because I think the original idea for Nemesis was that you could actually see the parasite writhing under his skin. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think if you uh, play the kind of more enhanced versions or on emulation, you can actually see it a lot more clearer. I mean, you can still yeah, see that in um in the remake. Uh, you know that thing that you shoot out, like during oh, that God. segment. That's that's the parasite. Yep. That, that like parasite. little that little bit is hanging out, like and gets revealed every time he falls to the ground, and it's it's the parasite. It's like he's got a, like he's got a hernia. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I, I was thinking he's got quato, but um, <laughs> his hiatus <but> hernia. <laughs> um, speaking of Nemesis, one of the things I loved in how they showed his mutation in this, and this is why I love the idea of the second, third, the, the form evolution in this. Um, the more you fight and destroy his body, the worse it gets. Yeah. Like I love, yeah. like when she gets getting struck by him and, you know, clawed by him and even like, you know, and smacked around in all these cutscenes, but never gets infected. It's not until his arm is torn off in the clock tower gate that finally this little tendril comes out and goes, Tink! and puts a little, you know, yeah. little sp- spiny in her. I mean, that, that was a parasite itself. I mean, like, anything Nemesis is doing, that's just like, that's just the tyrant part of him beating up on her. It's the parasite part that infects her. Right, right. The um, the thing, actually, by the way, this, this I have this note because I was thinking about this regarding the body adaptation and growing back worse. It's like, I almost wonder if, like, this is definitely something from a budgetary constraint probably would have been, a, a, you know, difficult for them to manage. But, like, what if that was, like, a risk-reward aspect of this? Is that every mm. time you defeat Nemesis or get him into that stun state with the grenades, he gets harder, a little harder. It's, like, a little faster. His damage is a little bit more to the point that there's a risk-reward. You're going to get goodies for it. You're going to get amazing goodies for it. But you are going to have to deal with him either more frequently or you're going to have to deal with a much harder opponent. Except for, mm-hmm. say, like, the more scripted ba- boss sequences. Huh. That would have been interesting. I think that would have added... Yeah, it would have been interesting, but I think it would have been kind of a... I hate to say this, a bit of a needless complication. And, and, and that's, I think, one reason why it wasn't approached. But, yeah, uh, that was a thought. Because I think the last time you saw something like that was with the Java one six. Oh. Cripes. Yeah. Because, I mean, Fair like, point. If you went for a lot of headshots... Yeah. You were getting more of a chance that oh they'd get armored heads or uh, wings something would happen yeah yeah or, yeah or oh yeah or shooting their arms it's like all mm-hmm. right my arm just turned into a fucking riot shield oh great like, oh fantastic yeah so I mean like you're 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 kind of getting a you're you're right in that there's a risk reward there but it's a complication that you might not actually need yeah it 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 depends it it would. The game overall, especially its scenario, would need to be paced out a little better, I think, to to, to do that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a kind of like the whole point of the right. 
Um, the whole point of the game is that it's meant to be very fast paced. You're being chased. I mean, right. so it's, it's. I I legitimately right. love that uh, he transforms because she has knocked so much of his, his suit off and his limiter. So now the parasite is kind of like taking over way yeah, more. I, mean, like, mm-hmm. I think it's always been kind of canon that something like the G virus can have regenerative properties, but it feeds off the body to do that. Mm. So the body is cannibalizing itself and it's kind of a cascade effect that you're repairing damage, you're causing more damage, you're repairing that, causing more, repairing that, and it goes on and on and on. And it just goes out of control. It's it's basically a cancer. Mm. It's a, a goopy cancerous callus. Yeah. Also, he kind of looks like a really giant liquor. Yeah, that was cool. That's an interesting thing as well, because, I mean, like, he's faceless as well. Yeah. Mm. He yeah. loses his eyeballs. Yep. Boy ain't got no eyeballs. Well, it's not like he had many to begin with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his eyeballs weren't, like, super great to begin with, but... I mean, I do like that... I, I do like that he starts out, like, fully, like, hefty man garbage sack. <laughs> and, 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 like, a, as the... The whole With game face progresses. For radio. <laughs> <laughs> As the game progresses, like Carlos knocks off the, the mask, so then you see his face, and then as you keep fighting him, more and more of the coat is dropping away, and as that keeps dropping away, that's that is giving the parasite more room to yeah. to take over and make him a, a real big boy. Also, that that whole segment has my favorite line in all of Resident Evil now. Hmm. Bitch can't even swim. <laughs> That's so good. Just favorite, like, favorite line. You're just kind of there thinking, like, I wouldn't put Jill just mentally make a note of, like, oh, I fucked it up, didn't I? I jinxed myself. Why did I say it? <laughs> yeah, as soon as he shows up, she's like, why did I say that? He, mm-hmm. he's, he's like one of those dinosaurs, those little, those little sponge dinosaurs that you put in water and then it get real big. <laughs> right. He's uh, going gonna well, to spill stinky water all over me. Oh, no. The thing also, did you notice that in the mutation, because he was transforming underwater, he's got fins, so it's like he seems to adapt to his environment? He's, he's ready for the beach. He actually can swim. He's now. got a beach bot, no. I was about, damn Take it, that, I, I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, okay, so do we want to cover the final form of Nemesis now, or do we want to get a little later into this? Because I know we're... we're um, might as well cover it now. Yeah, I mean... This is going to be a half and half for me because I, I love a lot of parts of it, but if you couple it with the higher difficulties, then fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, on a more normal difficulty, it's like, oh, this is awesome. It's just like, yeah, it, yeah. it's it's the parasites gone out of control. On higher yeah. difficulties, it's, oh, this fucking giant snot ball. <laughs> this game, this gameplay has gotten out of control. Yeah. Yes, the game, yeah. So, so yeah, it was six dodges, right? Because I think, Paul, you watched me do it the first time on Inferno with... Uh, with oh, the... God, yeah, I remember that. And the amount of swear, I, I mean, I, admit, I swear, but the amount of swear coming from you. Yeah. And like, it didn't, like, for the last, like, 20 minutes, I just took the headset off because I couldn't concentrate, if I recall. Um, well, I think it was more the fact that you were just, like, effing and blind in the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was, I was, uh... <laughs> I mean, admittedly, it was it was pretty early in the day, so I was kind of like, I'm too tired for this shit. But um, yeah, no, I I was uh, yeah, because oh god, it was 
it was like four, it was like thirty or forty minutes to do that on Inferno with the write in because yeah. and and I he, think it took you about twenty tries. Yeah, it was around there. I think it was like twenty four or twenty seven tries. But yeah, it's a so for those who haven't done Inferno and Nightmare Mode yet, is that because they they his move set is bigger when he attacks you, so he has more moves he can do, and then he does this continuous attack and this is by the way you get hit twice you're dead that's it you could take mm-hmm. one hit from full health and that is it and you have to at least dodge four or five hits you can sometimes get a grace period on the six but it, it, it's, he, it, he strikes up to eight or nine times in a row possibly yeah, you're, yeah exactly Basically, there's a few, nightmare inferno you have to have perfect dodge in in a game that it does not exist it it you get a little bit of assistance with the combat manual, which I think I had because I think you at do. that point the yeah. o- the only thing I had not unlocked was the rocket launcher. So I think that was that was the only thing. That's the reason I did it. If I, if I already had the rocket launcher, a it would have been a lot easier, and b it would it have. It uh, wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, it wasn't. Ah. Oh, rocket rocket nice. launcher uh, and and the manual, and you can you can fill yourself up with all of those items. It still mainly just requires you to be lucky and to have his pattern down pat. Yeah. Perfect dodging. Yeah, you have yeah. to be yeah. you have to be perfect, and you have to be lucky that he doesn't do like the spewing acid move because oh, yeah. sometimes that can just like yeah, it'll just stop you long enough that he can smack you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, uh, the rocket launcher does not fix your problems. Ugh. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, like. I, I would just sum up Final Form Nemesis as a mixed bag. Yeah, like visually, the, I I love his design. Oh yeah, I, I yeah, love using I love right. using the finger. I just played it on on standard uh, yesterday uh, without like any infinite weapons, and it was a fun time. Yeah, good stuff. It's it it's good. It's good. Yeah, and and I I love that she gets to carry the railgun and yeah. stick it in his mouth and blast him. It's fucking awesome uh, so cool and 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 people keep saying it's like oh this game doesn't have any gore in it like fuck off dude well, i mean it does not in the main you know zombie blood sure but that she liquefies that <laughs> fucking thing she's covered Come on. she's covered she in basically blood kills him with a sea of blood yeah yeah just, there's blood everywhere you see they couldn't do it for the zombies because i think like graphical limitations so they saved it all yeah. up for nemesis getting like exploded yep Saving it all for him. Which, okay, so that moves the next thing. Oh my god, this game is pretty. This game is yeah, so pretty. Yeah, 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 real pretty. I love, I, I do love, like, the look of all of it. Like, the the main street and, like, all of the signs and, and like, Moon's Donuts. Yeah. I mean, also, I, like, when you play on higher difficulties, there's, like, a, a Homer zombie standing up there trying to, like, bang on the donut. I've missed that. Yeah, it's delightful. I love him. I I, I still love the fact that Samantha from Bewitched (laughs) has now become a mascot for a cleaning product or something or milk. I think it's no, no, it's for beer. I think it's the the beer. Yeah, that's right. It's the beer. That's right. It's the beer ad. It's it's Um, literally Elizabeth Montgomery from Bewitched. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. It, It's delightful. Speaking of the advertisements, I love that there's all this raccoon everything. So like it's this, it's like it's like the new space modifier from that Mister Science Theater uh, oh, skit. Oh yeah. 
and the front the frontier uh frontier slash space thing so it's like you get your you're gonna go down raccoon street to go into the raccoon mart to get your raccoon milk to go with your raccoon cereal okay. don't forget to buy some raccoon crackers okay but how do i get to raccoon park there's no such place you freak. you have you have to take a left on raccoon avenue and then head straight down to raccoon boulevard okay and uh what if i right. get to raccoon parade you've gone too far Way too far. You got to turn far. back. Yeah, you turn you're gonna around. have to turn back, and you have to take the raccoon line of the raccoon's uh, the train train system, and then on the raccoon train, you have to make sure you get the raccoon train on the raccoon train line to take you down the raccoon train rail system to the raccoon. Ironically, train. there are no living raccoons raccoon. in Raccoon City. Not not a single Except one. Except for the Ghost Survivors one that's on that's the hat. It's not alive though, is it? No, the tail moves. Are you sure that's not just the wind or head movement? <laughs> no, no, dude. It's it's. I've 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 used that it's hat a, a ton. I know that thing is alive. It, it okay. even cocks its head a little that's bit. It's a zombie, then. No, it's that my poor, best. Friend. It's my friend. I I I, I, I use it when I beat Cortini's segment. <laughs> poor poor raccoon, the one living <laughs> raccoon. They really do have the hardest. I mean, I I also I I love all of the posters for the films. Yeah. Yes, the movie posters are uh, so, so good. I love the movie posters, and I love the fact that they made two films back to back. That 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 reeks of Italian Italian film industry to me. Italian genre exploitation movies. That is, it's funny. It's, I, it's funny as hell. I do have to say, one of my favorite bits is just one of the most what the actual fuck moments in the game, and it's. When you're heading back to the uh, subway station for the last time, mm-hmm. mm. and Nemesis fires the rocket launcher at the <laughs> toy man head. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> and I love they telegraph that. I love how they telegraph that. I was like, oh. wait, wait, that head is going to come rolling at me, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh my god! You know it's coming, but it's just the fact that it actually happens, and you're just kind of like, "Are oh, you great, kidding so me? I'm going to die." <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not going to lie. That thing has been responsible for more of my deaths on higher difficulties than almost anything else. I, I've, I've, I figured out a trick that works for me and my body memory. But that said, I mean, I've, I, you're not the only person I've heard say that, that that part on the higher difficulties is fucking crazy. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. I, I um, will be the first to admit that um, I think you were there at the time. When that happened, I just started on the Indiana Jones theme. <laughs> yep yep you did yep i was there for that <laughs> makes sense oh uh, oh that's so good um by the way speaking of background stuff um did anybody catch the radio broadcast in the pharmacy where the dj is like whoa they've broken through the barricades did anybody catch that <laughs> uh i i usually just catch the part where he's talking about another song yeah so oh, I yeah actually, no he yeah really yeah, no, he he totally. Oh, yeah, there's a whole. Oh God, I'm gonna have to. I'll I'll okay. We're we're in the middle of recording. I'll see if I can track it down and find it for you guys after this. But yeah, it reminded me of uh, the end of Zombie Three, mm-hmm. Lucio Fulci's Zombie Three, which has uh, the DJ gets zombified at uh, at some point in the movie. I can't remember if it's at the end or if it's towards the middle. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, cool. I'll see, I'll replay the beginning of it and, and go listen. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's so it it's just so kind of makes on. me think now of uh, the film Pontypool. Which I still need to see. I love Stephen McCaddy, but I haven't gotten around to that one yet. I mean, for for like a Resident Evil reference, it actually makes me think of uh, Operation Raccoon City. 
because Vanessa, you poor thing. Um, because poor thing, Vanessa. Because the the um. Uh, the U.S. government team, one of their first levels, is uh, in a radio station. Yeah, the rescue and three dog. Yeah, like it didn't, it didn't, <laughs> it didn't work out well. Also, counter uh, another uh, kind of Resident Evil reference, uh, Hunks, a uh, fourth survivor uh, segment in Umbrella Chronicles, has like that guy on the radio station just slowly losing his mind during the entire thing. I forgot. About, oh, wow. I've not it's played really, that in so long. Yeah, like that actually is my favorite part of that that entire segment with Honk because it is really unsettling how like the guy just gets more and more panicked and then freaks the fuck out mm. over the radio. That. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Games. Yeah. So like that that kind of that kind of reminds me of that. So now I have to definitely go in and listen because... I think that always adds a really cool texture to it. Also, all of like the extra little incident, incidental dialogue you can get is really, really cool. It like, is. Like yeah. there's some stuff you can get with Tyrell in the RPD. If you go all the way back to the main hall after, you know, like you've uh, gotten, uh, I think like once you clear out like the West office and you've like, you know, before the first liquor has shown up outside of the, the um, evidence room. So it's like once you're able to just turn around and go back, you can like go all the way back there. And he's like, what, are you chicken and out already? Oh, my God. I need to do that. that I that's love Carlos evil with... in that section, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love the fact that he just throws so much shade on some of the key mechanics <laughs> of the franchise. And it's just like <laughs> you go up to one of the doors, the specific key, and he goes, what yeah, fucking door is this? I love this it. This is a weird ass yeah. door. Well, that's a weird fucking door. And then like looks at yep. like that like don't come inside and he's like, "Okay, I won't then." And I'm like, "Oh my god, Carlos <laughs> for for most like reasonable protagonist or like, "Hey, hey, we- hey buddy, I'm this is Wes. Uh if you're reading this, I'm dead. Please don't open that locker." And he's like, "Okay then. I will not." Yep. I love the fact though that he takes a note. So that if you go back yes, to RE2, yes. <laughs> You opened yeah. the, door, the door of the locker. Because mm-hmm, you didn't know. You didn't Because the note was gone. I love that. I actually do love how that really gave uh, the RPD a little bit more uh, personal context. Yeah. Oh, certainly. Like, that That does that does enhance Resident Evil 2. And, and also, like, fucking Brad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, before, before we jump to Brad, I just have one quick thing about Carlos making comments and stuff. When he looks at Leon's welcome sign... I love that line. I love it. And he, and him saying it's like, oh, bet you had a hell of a first day. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, it was pretty kick ass, right? And and I, I just hear Leon going, no. <laughs> it's, it's just, I, I love the fact of that our head can for Leon is just all like this little kid. He's just going around with a microphone going, it's my first day. It's my first day. <laughs> it's my first day. He's he's a come on. He's a precious bucket puppy. He deserves he deserves that head cannon. because he is. He's precious. I love him. But but every time we do that, I just think of that line from The Simpsons where Homer becomes the captain of a song. Yeah, yeah. Every oh time. Oh my god. Yeah, yes. I was I, when I was replaying uh, RE2 earlier today. I I I kept making that joke. <laughs> like, but it's my first day. <laughs> 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 Every time, it just that that is what I think of, and it's it is delightful. Oh, uh, but um, 
I do like the fact that, despite the fact that Outbreak did explain how Marvin got infected, I do like how they've canonized it now. Yeah. And cleared up that mystery. Or at yep. least, like, you know, remake canonized it. Yep. I love the directing of that scene. I, I love It's really good. Also, fuck you, Brad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A double, double, triple, quadruple, fuck you, Brad. Um, I just, I love how completely in character it is for him. It is. That even as a zombie, he's apologizing while he's doing something that wrecks everybody's lives yeah. up. It is, yeah. It, and it's so sad on multiple fronts to me. Like, I because yeah, this is one of those cool moments of him actually, because this is one of the only times we've ever heard the zombies in Resident Evil vocalize, like an actual word. It's very, very mm-hmm. rare that it's ever happened. And well, yeah. there is actually a theory that, well, not a theory, but a discussion is, is Brad actually saying sorry, or is he just mimicking what he's hearing? And that's even the thing, is like, yeah. that's the sad, the, the, the interesting sad ambiguity is like, is he aware enough to say sorry, and if so, is that a fate worse than death, that he can't stop his compulsions? Or like, yeah. or is it mimicry as we're saying? Like, you know, I mean, it's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's the bub thing, you know? Yeah. And, and people have talked about how supposedly they can hear the zombies in RE2 um, saying stuff. I've never actually uh, made anything out, but some people have argued that they can like hear certain zombies like saying like, kill me. Hmm. And I'm like, well, that's, that's sad. Yeah. It's, yeah. It is a common phenomenon, but it's, it's usually something that happens more with a song. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's it's not so much a Mont Green, you know, where you hear um, the lo- the wrong lyrics to a song. It's more like you're hearing something within the noise, and your brain's trying to figure it out. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it also does kind of remind me of the uh, the uh, guy on the boat in in Revelations one. That guy uh, depresses me every time. The one who's like saying like Mayday, Mayday. Oh god. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's right. It's it's very creepy and very effective. Like one of like the best things about that game is that. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Hands like, down. You're just kinda like, you know he's not gonna be alive. And then he turns out to be one of the um well, the first creature you encounter mm. of that particular type of uh yeah. skag draws or something like that. Something like yeah, skag daws, skag something I I don't know. <laughs> I don't I, remember the names of those monsters in that game very well. I, I don't remember much of that. I still don't remember how it ended. I still need to replay it. I, I've, like, the last... D- Disco Tyrant. Oh. Disco found the other pant leg. Oh, wow, what a she twist. She did not. She did not, and you know it. <laughs> I wanted to see how long he'd go. <laughs> um, the, uh, back to the RPD thing... Um, so two couple things. First of all, I thought it was interesting just as a sort of dramatic thing, you know, sort of like a, a synchronicity. When you get into the RPD and you get the message from Bard, um, it's it gets received on Jill's computer in the office, which I thought yep. was interesting. Yep. I figure all the Stars members probably got it pinged, and that was the only one it got picked up on, but I did like that as a touch. And as well, yeah. I, I noticed this today. You could see the good boy. You could see the picture of the good boy on her desk. The good boy. I love the good boy. I also Which kind of begs the question: What happened to the dog? I I'm getting the impression that it was a childhood dog that she still loves, mm-hmm. because uh, she has that same photo also in her apartment. And it's the same photo, not a different photo of the same dog. Yeah, yeah and and there's no evidence of a dog actually living in her apartment mm-hmm. at this time. 
So I'm guessing precious family, family pup. Yep. It's kind of like the good luck pup. My good luck pup. Yeah. Speaking of the Maybe. speaking of the apartment, this this is one thing I really loved, and I, I really got to actually notice a cool detail about this this uh, when I replayed it prep for this today's episode. Um, I love the dream scene, um, but I did want to mention about the the apartment. I love how her bedroom is split into like two sides. So you have like one side that's very much like it's got TV, it's got her fashion posters, magazine stuff, it's got her books. I mean, like the one clue about her job is the is the little car. But I love the compartmentalization that then when you turn to the other wall, I didn't notice it until mm-hmm. I played it yesterday and, and, and noticed that I did this by accident. I turn around and there's the Pepe Silvia wall. And yeah. And there's that, I like that kind of interesting split because it's, it's a way of showing, it felt like it fleshed out Jill more as a person and mm-hmm. it made her, it made her really endearing to me. But the thing I wanted to say about the dream scene, I mean, first of all, I just thought that was a really, we've never seen a traditional style Resident Evil game open that way where it's a first person perspective and to open with a nightmare scene, like a nightmare fake out, super yeah. common in horror movies, but we, I don't think er, Resident Evil's ever done it like that. Um, interesting thing. I didn't, I can't believe I didn't notice this. You guys may have noticed as well. Hospital segment, dream scene number two, the clue it's a dream is because it's from a first person perspective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I thought that was very cool. Also, I think, um, her, like that side of her apartment, uh, she also has like her, her little RE1 beret on the shelf. Yes, that's right. She does. And I think a badge maybe. Possibly. Or like a framed badge. I thought yeah. that was also like really cool, and like also like going back to like how RE2 did environmental storytelling really well. This is one of the places that does environmental storytelling again really well. Like you see how messed up Jill's apartment is. You see like all of the pills on her table. You see the boxes. You see like her clothes getting put away, and you see like how badly she's eating. And everything oh, is yeah. everything's yeah, like a the mess. Kitchen, the kitchen is filthy. Oh, Not even like takeout food. It's just yeah, it looks grimy. It's like she's given up. Yeah, if she's given up, or she's at the very least, she knows that there's a cycle and pattern that the pattern of her life does not involve daily care of the household. There's the routine no longer includes that. Um, because she, she even says there's three more days and she's leaving. So Yeah, and like I think one of the early files indicates that she feels like she is very close to losing it. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, like, she's being watched constantly. She, that's paranoia. Right. Or unless she actually is being watched, which I would not be surprised considering oh, yeah. it's yeah, definitely. how corrupt the RPD is and Umbrella. I mean, exactly. even even Brad knew enough to sneak the, the note to her in a pizza. Right. Yeah. Even um, Brad. Speaking of, my one of my favorite things in the first act of this game, and it's one of those, like, I want this to be something that comes up in Resident Evil at some point. Like, not not necessarily did I want it in this game. The incubation period. The concern that what if the STARS members have the virus and that it's a long incubation period and that they're going to turn at any time. Now, mind you, the file is implied that it probably was written at some point in, like, August. So she's yeah. past the point of probably being concerned about yeah, that. Yeah, kind of a week or two. Roughly. Right. Um, and then there's the report that you find later in the RPD as well. But I just, I love that because it's the, it it also reminds me of one of the things that they sort of took from Resident Evil 7, where it used to be that the monsters are going to get you. And the nightmare, that incubation period note, and even just, you know, just other aspects of this say the virus is going to get you. 
and that's an interesting difference that it's that mm. it's the it's not necessarily that you may survive the encounter with the monster but the virus is going to get you afterward and it yeah. makes like every every bit of damage you incur feel a little more palpably creepy because of it yeah, and I mean, that is definitely something that Jill in particular is worried about because she is more capable than the, the average bear. So she can survive a monster attack, but if she gets infected, what happens? And I, I actually think that that is one of like the main themes of the game, and I think that that works really well. Yeah. I mean, like, you see this as well with Brad... Now, for uh, for all that the fandom might disparage him, Brad is still a trained police officer. Cowardly, yes, but when he gets infected, he immediately kind of goes into police mode. Because he, he, he has no idea how long he's going to have before he turns. Mm. <clears throat> we could be talking seconds, we could be talking minutes or hours, and he's already telling Jill to get away. Yep. Yeah, he's trying to do, like, the one good thing. He's yeah. saying, like, it, you know, if if I can do anything, then it's going to be giving you the best chance of surviving. And then he goes and fucks that up for Marvin. Unfortunately, then he then he found his way back to the RPD. Right, and then bites Marvin, and then it's like, all right, fuck you, Brad. You're going down. <laughs> damn it, damn it, Brad. Although, I mean, that said, I, I absolutely love that on uh, Nightmare and Inferno, he shows up again. Yes, I, I I really love that. Where? I love that so much. Oh, in the uh, uh, evidence room. All right. Um, also, locker. also the hallway, um, the the west uh, the west hallway. He's walking outside, and you see him walk by. Oh my god! I did not catch that. Yeah, yeah. He walks by. It's it's so it's like a very quick thing. You don't see him all the way down, but like he he makes that appearance. You see him shuffling by, and I'm like, holy shit, Brad! And then and then he comes back in in the evidence room, and it's it oh, is so so cool. That is satisfying. I love it. Yep, love it. I also love the file underneath, um, talking about like the woman who is like working for Umbrella, uh, feeding them information about how things are going at the RPD, and mm. and like how things are falling apart, and and like saying like, look, I, I need extraction, get me extraction, extraction, get me extraction, or I'm going to tell everybody about how you're colluding with fucking everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they still leave her behind. Yeah. Yep. Well, it didn't work out for her. Nope. Um, so the other oh. thing, actually, that I'm, I'm glad actually this comes up because I was also passing by. Um, you know, we were talking about the files, and actually, in, uh, off ca off camera, I guess I should say, you know, Vanessa, you and I were saying about how it's interesting. There's a lot more files to like give you that deep, you know, dive into some of these characters. Yeah. The love letter with a question mark at the end, which oh I love God. that detail. Oh. I love yeah. that. It's hysterical. The oh. the. the God, Carlisle is like I want to write fanfic about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he 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 loves his his hunt the gammas. He he oh, loves God, them. That guy. He loves them so much. <laughs> yeah. I I also I also love the idea that like they were down in the sewers almost like free range chickens for like like a couple months. You you had monsters in your sewer for a yeah. long ass time, and they also got to the point where they recognized the scientists, and they were not like they were distinguishing friend from foe. They were they were like puppies, right. they, but I mean like that's endemic of a far greater problem as well, because like yeah, 
you know, it, it's one thing to say, oh, there's an alligator in the sewer. Well, there actually is. It's about to become giant. <laughs> but I mean, like... Which there is, mm-hmm. yeah. But I mean, like, you can write that off as, like, oh, it's just a drunk. What happens when people start to go missing in the sewers? Yep. More people go missing. I mean, I love that note by that guy who said, like, his friend went missing in the sewers. And, I mean, obviously, seems like he was eaten by a gamma. So then he goes, like, I, I went to my bosses. They said, no, he obviously just fucked off. And he goes, I w- no, my buddy wouldn't fuck off right when his wife was about to give birth to their child. Yeah. And they're like, no, but he fucked off. And then he's like, I go to the police. And the police are like, no, he just fucked off. I know that this monster, you know, took him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get them. And no, he didn't get them. He just left his, his sad journal there as he died. Yeah. Right. Very sad. He's going to get them with his stick. Oh, good job, mm. buddy. But like I, I love that because that adds it. That adds a lot of, a lot of connection that is otherwise missing. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like you don't always feel like you have a really strong connection to like the the narrative flow, but like the notes really help. Yeah, I mean the notes are a highlight for the game. Um, yeah. I mean, like, even if the outbreak hadn't happened, you kind of have to wonder. How bad it would have gotten if the hunters were left to be? Oh God! Oof. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which uh, that's the thing I guess I love about this the way that this game creates this amazing like powder cake situation. We don't even know where the fucking drain demos came from in this time around. Right. We never really had an answer to that anyway, and now it's like they they have a fucking nest and a big like egg sack on the power station. I mean, that went up overnight, literally. Pract- yeah, exactly. Because I mean, I mean, that is, I mean, a that's terrifying that they were able to replicate so goddamn fast. And then two is is that I mean, yeah, it sort of shows that. I wonder how much of this was a case, like how much of the government's decision to just bomb the city was not just about oh, there's a cure. It's also like, yeah, we're getting like satellite and reconnaissance photos, and uh, shit's fucked, bro. Yeah, <laughs> like super hard. <laughs> I mean, like, this is just, this was an entire situation that was already going to get out of control, and then the zombie virus happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think we've kind of discussed enough about what we liked, so maybe it's going to wrap up with characters. I mean, the game did not add that many new characters. Yeah, actually, uh, we'll just, you know, end with talking about um, Bard, because I think he's, like, the only character we really haven't actually covered. Because, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we've we've sprinkled in stuff about how cool Jill is and how great Carlos is and Nikolai being awesome and Mikhail being awesome and Tyrell is awesome. So, yeah, Ty- um, Ty- Just quickly we, we, saying, Ty- I have one quick sorry. sign. Tyrell, okay. Wing- Wingman of the Year, 1998 edition. That's it. Good. There you go. So um, we can talk about Bard because he is, like, the, the one legitimately new character. Yeah. Who's mm-hmm. very important to the narrative. And probably, besides Carlos, is probably Jill's biggest ally. Without them either, either of them knowing it. Yeah, yeah. it's like unintentionally one of the most helpful. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, uh, just for some context, Nathaniel Bard was the head doctor at the clinic where Jill's be where Carlos takes Jill after she's infected. He's also a head umbrella researcher, and he's probably one of the biggest dicks in Raccoon City. 100%. This is the guy who parties with uh, Brian Irons, and if you know what he's like, I don't need to say much more. 
<laughs> yeah, that's Ew. all you need to say about him. Man parties with Brian Irons. It's like, oh, you know exactly what kind of terrible shit this guy is. But he's also... And, and, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, Irons and Michael Warren, which... Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think, like, for all his faults, and believe me, the man is not a saint. He's, he's got a place reserved in hell. <laughs> I hope so. Uh... Bard is actually a saint compared to some of the other Umbrella researchers. Um, obviously, for selfish re- reasons, when everything started going to hell, Bard had his researchers start development of the vaccine for mass production and probably had them set up the railgun in case they needed to use it against any BOWs. Yeah, I'm curious why that thing was down there. That that's a pretty I... high tech re- weapon research. Yeah, but I, mean, I gotta like, look. I, I gotta look at that again. Well, I think he's he's the one who kind of gave the okay for for the development of the weapon because you find a note in the lab where he discusses Umbrella Europe using parasites, and he actually called he very politely politely calls them idiots for working parasites because of how <laughs> difficult that is to maintain and control. And he would rather work with yeah. viruses. It's a it's a sick um, sick burn on Los Plagas, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah which uh, I appreciate that very much. So I mean, like sick burn. I mean, this was a compared to other uh, umbrella researchers. This man is a saint. I mean, by by normal human standards, the man is scum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like he's he's not a megalomaniac, like. Like you get with, I mean, honestly, William Birkin and and like Wesker and Alexia, but he's like a very believable asshole. Yeah, there's a tape recording that you use to unlock his office where, on the tape, he actually is quite abusive to one of the nurses until he finds out she might have seen some of the research Umbrella was doing, and straight away kind of tries to figure out what she's seen because he knows if Umbrella catches wind of this she's going to disappear. You know, and I guess if he has a yeah. thing for brunettes don't go there on the step. Uh, so, sorry, <laughs> sorry guys, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry. Probably first and foremost, he is a doctor. You find him in the hospital. So I think like as much of a, of a bastard he is like I said, he is a saint compared to some of the other researchers. He just, he gets the not as bad as you could have been award. Little, right. little tiny mean, like, badge. Bing. Bing. Not, not as much of a terrible monster as, yeah. as you could have been. You still suck, but you suck less. I, he's probably the only umbrella researcher where they get a check in the positive column. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a good, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, it's because even Annette, as much as she tries, doesn't earn any of the checks in the positive column because most of the things that she, positive things she tries to do end up usually screwing up. Uh, yeah, I'll know. give her. I'll give her actually coming through for Sherry after Clara, like you know, berates her into it. Yeah, but I mean, like, God, God damn it, you're right. She yes. has to be berated into it. Yeah, she did. That's true. Yeah. So I mean, like Bird, like I said, absolute scum. Decent researcher. Yeah, super mm-hmm. interesting character. Like yeah. I think he his edition is is really 
necessary. And I, I do love how it makes it makes the vaccine um, an actual like centrally important aspect of the plot, as opposed to just the thing that Carlos had to do when yeah. he went to the hospital. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. very it's very incidental in the original. I think right. if I had to it's s- like they, sorry, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, it feels like he was, he is a great fill to a gap in the segment, in this, that segment of the original's plot. Like, uh, yeah. it's like there was, we had like this hole of like, well, why is there suddenly a vaccine? And here, you know, they actually have this setup in the second act that then pays off, you know, yeah. it's, it's good. I think it works. Yeah, Real I think good. If, if I have to sum up Bard, he is a man who realizes he's going to die. And in his last hours, he's realized he's got a chance to look over what he's done with his life. He doesn't like it. He can't redeem himself, but maybe he can do some good for someone else. Yeah, I mean, like he said, he just wanted to restore one tiny shred. Yeah, of human decency, of honor to himself. Right. That was that was the last thing that he was trying to do. So you know, one point for you, sir. Bing. I mean, I would have taken self-emasculation as well, but well, um, but that's just me. Anyway, uh, yeah. But that's a, so, but, yeah. but it's good. Yeah, it, it, these are all good points, though. I mean, I, Bard is interesting to me also because the the dynamic of the of the of I guess or I guess I should say the roles of the characters in in this re, in the remake, as well as even in the original. You know, they feel different from the archetypes we've seen in the other games. And I felt like Bard was kind of cool that he didn't necessarily, as you're pointing out, he's a different type of researcher. Like, yes, it's another umbrella guy, but it's also his. There's a little, if there's a drop of white in the black to make things a little gray, you know. Just he's a little... he's still focused on on different things than the other. Right. Yeah, I think it, researchers. It's sort of the doctor comes to the fore rather than the researcher. Yeah, that's a, that's really that's a good way of putting it. The doctor thing. Yeah, because um, that was just such an interesting change that the hospital entirely was moved to being a umbrella facility rather than being a. Uh, uh, a research, a hospital that was researching the virus, trying to seek a cure for this disease that had spread through the city. Yeah, and that that was that was an interesting change, and kind of a drastic change. And Bard is a being a more having those elements that there's a little chaos in his evil, you know, that makes him a little less predict. I guess or, or I should say this: his morality is a little less. Uh, predictable. I'm not, I don't know exactly how to put this because I mean, we're talking about this like this bit of a stretch. Cartoon, his, cartoonishly evil. Yeah, I guess there's nuance. He remembered the first line of the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm. Yeah. Which, I mean, you know. Yeah, he still ain't doing too great with that overall. But, <laughs> but yeah, but, at but least yeah. at least tried a thing at the end. Exactly. And that's, and Paul, exactly. I think I, I see what you're saying with, with it is that's the, um, um, it's like he's, he's, it's as if like you got to think of like, did he remember that in like reflecting on his life? He's gonna die, and realizing, ah, I, f- I fucked up. Like the number one thing I was supposed to not do, I did, I did. Um, Whoops. But I think like everything about Bard kind of suggests he wasn't developing bio weapons. He just saw the potential in the viruses. I mean, like if you see some of the stuff he writes, it's. Don't use parasites, they're unpredictable. Use viruses, you can control them. They're developing a parasite weapon, we need something to counter that. So yeah, I, 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 he, he does have his definite focuses. Yeah. Unlike a lot of other Umbrella researchers where it's like, nah, I'm going to attach this bunny's body to the head of a bee. And profit. 
Yeah. Right. So I mean, like he's a he is the sanest umbrella researcher. You know, yeah. putting a bunny yeah, and I'll, a bee together. I'll that's, give him that's that. Just, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Just the bunny and the bee just think, oh, that's how they make Pokemon. Hmm. Mm, yeah. Well, you know, you'd end up with a bunny bee. There you go. Bunny bee. Yeah. Chris, you're, you're quietly hating me, aren't you? <laughs> no, no, no. You're just thinking about the bunny bee. I am, I am. I'm thinking about like, mixing a, a score bun and a, uh, and a bee drill. I'm just thinking of combining those mm, two. Yeah. So I think <laughs> I, I think that will uh, that will wrap things up for us for this uh, episode of the podcast. Uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at uh, a statement pod. That's a statement with an e. Or if you have any questions or topics you would like us to cover in a future episode, you can email us at spencerestatement at gmail dot com. So there you go. That would that'd be really nice, yeah. Yeah, please and, do. Um, and we don't have a so we don't have a set topic for the next episode, right? No, we do not currently. Okay. It's wide open. Yeah, should, we should. I'm just kind. I was kind of thinking we should leave it a surprise. So next topic, it'll be about something Resident Evil related. <gasps> yeah, I'm just thinking there. Um, Resident Evil and surprise. Two things that, when they go together, don't really produce something nice. We'll combo break that. Yeah, I'll. I'll it, I was just about to ask Future Me to put the Killer Instinct combo breaker sound, and I shouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway, so I have been Castle Rook. I have been Chris Jabberwock. And I've been Vanessa Sketch. Thank you, and have a great day. Peace out. Stars. One of us had to do it. Go away, Nemesis. Hey, come on. One of us had to do it. One of us had to do it.